Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. On DAB Plus, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker. Women's Football Weekly with Faker Others and leading guests from the world of women's football. Cuts back onto her right foot um, and finds the net. Hello, hello. Welcome to Women's Football Weekly, a weekend of controversy with late postponements prompting calls for undersoil heating to be compulsory in the Women's Super League. We've got to take our game seriously and yes, we can have blowers and little pitch tents, whatever they are, but it's not going to be enough. It's minus one. Chelsea's game against Liverpool lasted six minutes before it was abandoned, but should it have even kicked off in the first place? We'll speak to the body responsible for match referees in England to find out. Three games did go ahead and Manchester United took full advantage to move top of the table. A massive goal in the Women's Super League. She came off the bench last week to score and Rachel Williams has stepped up again for United. A goal completely of her own making. And we'll hear from Arsenal boss Jonas Eideval on the lack of female coaches in football. In all other parts of society, uh, you can have female prime ministers, you can have female presidents, but you can't have a female coach coaching in the Premier League for some reason. Why? (laughs) Go on, Jonas. Lots to discuss, including all the rest of the results from the WSL and Championship and Wales women's equal pay decision. Plus, we'll be conducting the semi-final draws of the FA Women's National League Cup and plate competitions. This is Women's Football Weekly, National Radio's only dedicated women's football show. Women's Football Weekly with Faye Carruthers. I'm Mary Earps. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. Well, a very happy Monday to you. How are you, you lovely lot? What a weekend it's been. Chilly, no matter where in the country you are. I hope you were wrapped up warm if you did manage to see some football. Delighted to say that former Tottenham captain Jenna Scalacci is with me today. How are you doing, Jenna? All good, thank you. Thanks for having me. You came in in all your layers earlier did. on. And then had to very quickly <laughs> postpone them. Postpone Sweating them. now. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, listen, we're going to kick off with a big story from the weekend. Three games postponed in the WSL, including Arsenal versus Brighton and Tottenham versus Leicester, but arguably most hope at high profile and in controversial circumstances was Chelsea's match against Liverpool on Sunday. So the game kicked off and lasted six minutes before it was abandoned with players slipping all over the place and the pitch deemed too dangerous. Here's what Chelsea manager Emma Hayes and first Liverpool boss Matt Beard had to say. You could clearly see in the warm-up, it didn't take a stud. The far side, 
was frozen. Parts of the pitch, well, they've had obviously the, the blowers on it and the heat on it, then parts of the pitch are okay. But it wasn't safe to play, and especially when you see the forecast and all the games that were called off yesterday, like Sutton United here at 3 o'clock, as an example, which is 10 minutes up the road. So, And today was probably colder, so but it's, it, should never have, it should never have happened. You know, We've had fans that have set up at 5am this morning to come to the game, and it could have been called off at 9.30 because it wasn't playable at 9.30. So it is what it is, and I'm glad the referee made the right decision in the end. You could see from the opening minutes, it's like an ice rink down the sides, and to be fair, it shouldn't, you know, for Matt Beard, he's upset that it even got to that point, and he's right, because it's not for managers to decide that, that's for the FA, for officials to determine whether it's on. We did have the heaters on, whatever. I think this is where we have to start saying to ourselves, we have to have under-soil heating. If we, we've got to take our game seriously, and yes, we can have blowers and little pitch tents, whatever they are, but it's not going to be enough. It's minus one. Interesting thoughts from both Emma Hayes and Matt Beard there. Um, Jenna, we're going to get into this discussion uh, properly uh, later in the show. But earlier on, myself and Molly Hudson from The Times uh, spoke to Bibiana Steinhouse-Webb, who's the Women's Select Group Director at the PGMOL, which is the Professional Game Match Officials Limited. Uh, I started by asking Bibi the timeline of referee Neil Hare's decision-making process. Neil wasn't convinced about the suitability of the ground. But the work that has been done, that was going on at that time, the discussions he had with the ground staff, who obviously knows the place best, they were all very promising. And actually, the heating was put on full stop. And you could already see, immediately see the improvement on the field of play. So therefore, 9.30, not suitable to play. However a really, really good prediction with all the work that was going onto the pitch to be in a better position at 12.30 kickoff time. So therefore, they took the second pitch inspection just before warm-up. So the cover stayed on until 11.30, very last moment to take the covers off, to take the heating off. So the most heat that you can get on the field of play was considered and they started the warm-up and everything was going to plan the surface hold up the players left the field of play officials did as well and everybody came back for kickoff and so it was around zero degrees at kickoff the the, the surface was still fine they kicked off Unfortunately, due to the amount of heat that we have put on the field, we had a, a, um, a layer of humidity on top of the field. And as said, the temperatures were around zero degrees. So this humidity deteriorated much quicker than anybody could have expected. And therefore, the field got slippery straight away. And that when, when the officials could see the players slipping, uh, when, when Cuthbert actually reached out um, for a ball in the penalty area and, and fall on her rear, like if she would have headed her, her head to the ground, that could have caused serious 
damage that could have been a serious injury and that was the moment when Neil Hare and the official said no we abandon the match safety of the players is our main and only responsibility this is our paramount like we take care of players and we are not risking any serious injuries here just to clarify because the the Liverpool boss Matt Beard um said that he had he thought and had said to to Neil that the decision uh, to kick off risked players safety in the first place and he was quite against it but he also suggested that um he'd been told that a two o'clock kickoff might be possible now you know again we look at hindsight and and who's to say that that same humidity wouldn't have been across the pitch at at two o'clock even if there'd have been an extra you know two and a half three hours worth of of heat going onto the ground when the temperatures were still zero but but what's what actually happened there was that a possibility to, to kick off at two so delaying the kickoff is a possibility for the fa competition department so the FA can move the kickoff on that day, no problem. And the only other person who can do that is the police when they have safety issues around the kickoff time. So unless the officials don't have doubt about the suitability of the ground, the officials can't move the kickoff. Hi, Bibby. Thank you for speaking to us. Um, I know a, a lot of fans um, kind of on social media were were sort of wondering as to whether the fact that this game was obviously live on BBC Two kind of impacted the, the referee's decision. And I also wonder kind of knowing a, a club like Chelsea, they've got, you know, a busy schedule. Obviously, they're going to want to try and get the game on if they can possibly get it on. I wonder how much pressure there is on referees now, especially as the women's game is growing. Thanks for the points you are raising here, Molly. And it just shows like how many different layers are coming into this decision-making process. But to be crystal clear, for the officials and by the law book as well, the only, only reason for us to abandon the match is the safety of the players. This is our paramount. This is what we are looking for. We are taking care of the players, their well-being and their safety all around. I, I, there's a debate, Bibby, about undersoil heating, which I, I know you won't have a direct impact in, but actually as, a, as an influencer within women's football, you, you, you can try and affect change. And it's something that so many people are, are calling for. Undersoil heating in... in uh, WSL clubs as a minimum, obviously championship as well, um, is really important. But not only protecting the players, which is obviously, as you say, that the, the paramount thing, but also perfect, protecting the officials from these kind of decisions and, and being able to, to make the decision with as much help as possible from the clubs investing in things like undersoil heating. Absolutely, Faye. And the investment that the teams are doing in all the different areas in their clubs just underlines the growth of the game. Look, over the last weekend, the FA spent around £40,000 on heatings and covers to ensure that the surfaces all over the country are in the best possible state. That just shows you how much investment actually goes into the grounds as well. And I'm not an expert in underground heating, but like whatever helps to protect. 
the players and obviously from my point of view protect the officials as well to be the best athletes that they can be at kickoff that is most important just finally Bibi you, you said lessons need to be learned what, what what have you learned from this look we're we're in hindsight could we have could we have acted different yeah I think we could have we could have come to the conclusion earlier that it wasn't probably the most safest way to kick that game off. Have we have we learned the lesson that we definitely should should uh, inquire a Saturday pitch inspection, especially when we are going down so early due to weather conditions? That's probably a lesson learned as well. And all the different stakeholders need to work closer together here. And I'm talking the clubs as well. I'm talking the FA, PGMOL. We need to make sure that the processes we have in place are followed absolutely correctly and step-by-step step to ensure the best outcome for everybody involved. Yeah, I just wanted to jump in where you said about kind of lessons learned. Obviously, we had sort of three examples of games postponed in terms of Leicester and Tottenham, which happened the day before, which seemed to have been the sort of perfect scenario in a way before anyone had travelled. Then we had the six minutes into the Chelsea game and then we had the Arsenal game, which was on the day, but it was something like two hours before. Is part of the problem the inconsistency? And would you like to see sort of the same thing happen at each fixture or at least the same sort of protocols followed? Because it feels like, well, they're all in London. The temperature was pretty much the same and they're not dissimilar grounds. I think for us, it's very important to follow the processes. So the match day minus one pitch inspection, earliest pitch inspection on match day possible, and then a second pitch inspection following closer to kickoff, it's really important. Do grounds react different to covers, heating, water, I think they do. So it can be the potential scenario that in the north of London, you are, you are able to kick off a game and to play 90 minutes of a football game. But like in the south of London, due to different scenarios and different circumstances around the ground, you may not. So I think following processes to be as clear as possible with everybody involved to have guidelines and clear communication lines of how to deal with these scenarios but with the yeah with the individual scenario of different grounds that you might meet with different circumstances Brilliant stuff, Bibby. Thank you so much for explaining all of that. It's it's much appreciated and will help our listeners for, for sure understand what goes into the decision-making of, of these kind of things. And, and hopefully we'll get you back on Women's Football Weekly sometime soon and on more um, positive circumstances because I know you're doing some great work at the PGMOL. Thank you so much, Faye. We really appreciate it. Yeah, it's really interesting, Molly, isn't it? I mean, Bibi always speaks so well about it, but it is quite important, particularly in the age of social media when so many, the blame game kind of goes on. Um, I love the fact that that Bibi always takes responsibility if there are things that, that could have been done better. But I think we really have to concentrate on what the clubs can do better. 
Yeah, I think it, it is a difficult situation for a referee, um, as we kind of alluded to there. I think there's there's a lot of pressures on officials now. And of course, also there's a lot of pressures on, on clubs. But I think what it comes down to is, if we're thinking about a club like Chelsea, obviously they're going to want to get that game on. They're in a lot of competitions. The, as soon as you get like a cancelled game, it, it's making it difficult, right, to fit that back in. But when the stakes are that high, that's when you have to look at the clubs to invest more. Because ultimately, if Chelsea can't play that game, that's making their life more difficult. And when you see a club like Chelsea who do have those resources, you know, we're not we're not talking about a championship club here who are part time, who who don't have that kind of financial backing behind them. We We know that Chelsea do. And I'm not just, you know, taking a pop at Chelsea here. We know, you know, Arsenal... Several other clubs are in the same position. You know, we have to look at some point, are we okay with postponing games or do we want to change that? Because realistically, to change that, you're talking about investing in an undersaw heating, which is very, very expensive. So at some point, we have to decide whether this is okay, although hopefully not this specific situation is repeated with six minutes played or do we actually make a decision to change things yeah really interesting listen I thought we were going to get you for the whole show as we have been in 2023 but you've been pulled into the Premier League and you're off to watch Fulham against Tottenham so you're leaving us me and Jenna are going to carry on having this chat Uh, enjoy the game thank you I wish I wish I could stay we do too see you later thank you very much Molly Hudson football writer there for the Times Coming up, we're going to carry on this discussion, as I said, and get the thoughts of former Spurs captain Jenna Scalacci. But before that, we're going to conduct the semi-final draw for the FA Women's National League Cup and Plate competitions. This is Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. Women's Football Weekly. That is absolute top quality on TalkSport 2. This is Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the only show on national radio dedicated to women's football. I'm Faye Carruthers. Former Spurs captain Jenna Scalacci is alongside me. Uh, as I said earlier, Molly Hudson at Craven Cottage, so has to go and cover some football. So it's me and Jenna seeing you through the next part of the show. And we have not one, but two cup draws to bring you. Uh, the FA's Velvet Bags are here with us in the studio, making themselves quite at home here at TalkSport. Uh, we'll be finding out who plays who in the semi-finals of the FA Women's National League Cup and the FA Women's National League Plate. Uh, Nick Frith from the FA is here to make sure that everything is above board. First up, Jenna's going to be drawing the balls for the League Cup. Oh, nice sound effects, Jenna. Like it's like you've done this before. <laughs> no, uh, I'm a the, pro at this. Here no. are the all-important numbers before you start taking them out, uh, because I know there are going to be plenty of teams listening in. Uh, ball one is Wolverhampton Wanderers or Huddersfield Town. They need to play their quarterfinal on Sunday, the 5th of February. Uh, ball two is Nottingham Forest. Ball three, Watford or Milton Keynes Dons, who play on the 29th of January. And ball four is Portsmouth. Okay, Jenna, who's at home in the first draw? Number three. Number three, which is Watford or Milton Keynes Dons. Watford, new members of the Women's National League after being relegated from the Barclays Women's Championship last season. They're currently fourth in the Southern Premier, but they've got to play MK Dons in their quarterfinal first, who are ninth in the Southern Premier. So one of those two teams will be at home. Who two, Jenna? Number one. 
Number one, Wolverhampton Wanderers or Huddersfield Town. <laughs> so these two teams, Wolves, currently sat in second place in the Northern Premier. Really close title race with Nottingham Forest. So they might be pleased not to have drawn them out. And then Huddersfield were last season's finalists in the League Cup, defeated by Southampton. So that is our first fixture, which means it's going to be Nottingham Forest against Portsmouth. But who gets the home draw? Number two. Number two, it's Nottingham Forest who will be playing at home. Last season's winners of the Women's National League plate. They're sat top of the Northern Premier. Uh, defeated Burnley 2-1 in the quarterfinals at the weekend. And just so that we know for definite there's one ball left and which one is it? Number four. And that is Portsmouth, currently second place in the Southern Premier in a tight title race with Oxford United. They beat Plymouth local rivals 3-0 in the quarter-finals. So uh, that is uh, the semi-final draw for the League Cup. Watford or Milton Keynes Dons versus Wolverhampton or Huddersfield Town and Nottingham Forest against Portsmouth. Those fixtures are going to be played on Sunday the 5th of March. Right, next up, the draw for the FA Women's National League plate. I'll go through all those numbers again for you. Uh, so ball number one is Hull City or Stourbridge. They're going to be played playing their fixture on uh, Sunday the 29th of January. Ball two is AFC Fylde or Leeds United. Their fixture also postponed at the weekend and they will play again, or not again, they will play on uh, Sunday the 5th of February. Crawley Wasps are ball number three and Southampton women are ball number four. Right, go for it, Jenna. Number one. Number one. First out, Hull City or Stourbridge. Hull currently sixth place in the fourth tier Division One Northern and Stourbridge currently leading the Division One Midlands in first. Seven points clear of Solihull Moors who are in second. So a home tie for one of those two sides. Who against? Number three. Ball number three is Crawley Wasps, currently sat bottom of the Southern Premier and yet to win a league game this season. Narrowly beat Cheltenham 5-4 on penalties in the quarter-final, which was a real humdinger of a game. They were National League Cup runners-up back in 2019. Number two. Ball number two is AFC Fylde or Leeds United. One of those two teams will have a home tie once they play their match on the 5th of February. AFC Fylde currently in sixth place in the Northern Premier. Leeds in seventh in the fourth tier Division One Northern and have a massive game this weekend against Arsenal in the Vitality Women's FA Cup this weekend. I just want to add something there because I went on the Leeds United website earlier and FYI, you said that it's the third round of the Women's FA Cup it's not it's the fourth round you're doing yourself a disservice Leeds United <laughs> change it please uh, right what's this last fixture Jenna number four Southampton women will have a home tie currently sat fifth in the Division 1 Southwest. back from 3-0 down what did you say Leeds are, oh yes, of course. Oh my goodness, I've just said Southampton at home. Do you know what? Because I've told off the website. Oh, that's, that's what it was. I went off on a tangent telling off the Leeds website writer and then forgot that they actually had a home draw. So that completes it. AFC filed all Leeds United up against Southampton women and it's Hull City or Stourbridge versus Crawley Wasps. Those fixtures are going to be played on Sunday the 19th of February. A massive good luck to everybody and thank you very much 
much to Nick Frith from the FA as well. Good luck to all the teams and thank you for being with us on Women's Football Weekly for that draw. Uh, right, so many games postponed because of the weather over the weekend. So we want to carry on the discussion over Chelsea's match with Liverpool, which uh, was abandoned after just six minutes. You heard earlier on from Bibiana Steinhouse-Webb of the PGMOL, and we haven't heard uh, Jenna Scalacci's thoughts on what went down at, at the weekend. You know, adjectives like embarrassing, um, farcical, etc., were, were thrown around. What, what was your opinion on it, Jenna? Yeah, I think obviously it was a, a disappointing for the, the Women's Super League, given how far it's come and, and how, you know, the word profi- professionalism and, and how far it has grown. I think for something like yesterday to happen, it just kind of puts a sour taste on how f- the growth that's been happening, you know, ever since the, the off the back of the Euros. And I think to have a game, obviously it's broadcast, there's lots of people tuning in, um, to be cancelled after six minutes, it kind of, you know goes against everything that we're trying to build here I think you know the game has grown so much and it is miles ahead now in terms of professionalism and it's like occasions like yesterday that just take it back a step or two and it makes you realize that we've still got so such a long way to go really until we reach to where we want to go but for me I still can't get my head around how you know obviously in the morning the pitch is unplayable and then the warm-up I think you know as a player the minute you're on that pitch where the you know, the surface is going to hold up or whether it's safe, you know, from the second. So how they got through the warm-up, I don't know. But then for it to, from the, from the time they've gone into the change rooms to come out for the for kickoff, the pitcher's taken a downward turn. But I watched, you know, the six minutes and there were players flying everywhere and it's not acceptable. And I, I just worry that it had to take, you know, Cuthbert to go down very heavily on her, on her backside. You know, what if that was her head? Mm. Why, do, why are we running these risks? I think the players' safety again has been put at the end, um, last afterthought. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's quite frustrating, isn't it? And, it? and it brings exactly what Emma Hayes um, explained, the, the question of undersoil heating and investment from clubs, which is what Bibiana Steinhouse-Webb was talking about, that all the stakeholders involved in this yeah. need to get together and, and really have a proper discussion about where the women's game is at. We've got increased professionalism, so much more money coming into the game, but how is it being invested? Mm. Because perhaps this is something that the clubs need to start taking responsibility for, and it's going to have to be something that is compulsory perhaps going forward yeah absolutely and I think hopefully an event like yesterday something positive will come out of it and now everybody's talking about it everyone knows about this issue hopefully it won't happen again going forward and we do learn from it but in on the bigger scale hopefully something good will go out of this and I think I do think clubs need to take responsibility as well and support the the women's team a lot a lot better because days like yesterday just can't happen it's just so harmful for the game and the product that we're trying to build and you know these are professional athletes they don't deserve to be put at risk you know they're international superstars and as the game goes busy you know I think players we've seen the ACL injuries and thank god nothing serious happened yesterday but why are we putting our players at risk like that well two of those players who have acl injuries actually tweeted uh, yesterday in in beth mead and uh, her arsenal teammate and partner vivian Miedemar. um viv wrote fa and clubs please do better uh, england's beth mead uh, on a serious note one of the top leagues in europe and we're cancelling games because of frozen pitches not good enough the women's game's heading in the right direction but still a long way to go and actually you know we've just done the draw in the fa women's national league and you know there were 
were plenty of those games that, that managed to go on. That's where you expect games to, to perhaps be postponed, mm. lower down the period, uh, lower down the pyramid, and actually yeah. not WSL games. So this is quite quite pivotal moving forward, and I'm sure it's not the last we're going to hear of this conversation. Right, you're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. I'm Faye Carruthers alongside Jenna Scalacci. Next, we're going to discuss the WSL games that did take place this Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This weekend. On DAB Plus, online, via the TalkSport app and on your smart speaker. Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. It's a wonder goal! The home for women's football. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the UK's only national radio show dedicated to women's football with me, Faker Rothers, and former Tottenham captain, Jenna Scalacci. Don't forget, if you do miss any of our shows or you want to listen again, our podcast is available on the TalkSport app, so you can just go ahead and download it today. So three games did go ahead in the Women's Super League this weekend. Here's how it sounded. massive goal in the women's super league she came off the bench last week to score and rachel williams has stepped up again for united a goal completely of her own making into bunny shaw and an even better pass from her that's a beautiful goal dania castellanos on the end of it daily hit pretty big deflection on that cross and on the first shot and on the second it's in Kirsty Hansen, 1-1. Driving forward, and the ball is in the back of the net. Jess Park sent the cross in. Karen Holmgaard was there to head it past Mackenzie Arnold, and it's off the bar and in. Another goal for Everton from another corner. Megan Finnegan finds Aggie Beaver-Jones. Aggie Beaver-Jones will make the shot, and it's in the back of the net. Aggie Beaver-Jones, what a goal. An absolute rocket. 
was a beaut that one we'll talk about that shortly but we're going to kick off with Reading nil, Manchester United one brilliant solo goal from Rachel Williams in the 87th minute sealing the points for Mark Skinner's side another clean sheet as well they're 8th in 11 games um, maybe not the swashbuckling kind of win we're used to from this United side but a solid 3 points and United boss Mark Skinner was proud of his side's resilience in getting the result for us to win it like that the way we won it with the resilience we had to show in defending as well that is as important as any city. I actually wasn't really happy with us last week, but for us today, I'm happier with that performance and win than I am even with Liverpool one last week. I don't think I've lost a game against Reading, but always felt like I could lose a game against Reading. So it's um, it's really important that they're one of the teams I hold as like as as one of the best coach teams. They're flying high, aren't they, Manchester United? Uh, Jenna, top of the table on goal difference. Um, but six-pointers against Chelsea, Arsenal and Manchester City to come, which surely are going to define their season. Yeah, definitely. I think days like yesterday, probably last season, they may have dropped points in games like that, but they totally dominated and Reading made it really, really difficult for them from the from the first minute. You know, their bodies on the line... Burns was fantastic in save. I think they had like 25 shots and, you know, it took a moment of special individual skill from Rachel Williams, who, you know, a massive player who 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 was stuck up, uh, popped up in a big, big moment for them. But yeah, I mean, they're absolutely flying this season, aren't they? I think Mary Earps in goal has just been the anchor of it. I think having that, a, a keeper like that, she wasn't really involved too much, but she stepped up with some massive, massive saves again after not having much to do all, all, all match. And we saw it in the summer for the Lionesses. And I think she's like a catalyst for them. You know, having a keeper like that, that you can trust, who's just calm, knows when to relax the team. But then they've also got the players now who've got the confidence. You've got players like Rachel Williams who you can bring on and, and who can change the match. And yesterday... You know, in the nick of time, I think there were three minutes left. Uh, they stepped up and, and that's the difference. And I think that will carry them even further this season um, as opposed to last season. Yeah, I feel as if they've got a real good mix of experience and, and youth and dynamism this season, which is really interesting. And actually, a couple of transfers for me indicating their faith in the fact that they are going to be in the Champions League next season. France international Estelle Cascarino on loan until the end of the season, but there is the option to buy. And then Canada defender and Olympic gold medalist Jay to Riviera, they're 21 years old, one to watch for, for the future. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, they've got themselves in a really good place now within the league. And now it's, can they just continue this form into the second half of the season and where teams are strengthening around them, they need to do exactly that to stay with the pack. And yeah, if they're going to look to to compete in the Champions League and get that place next season, they obviously need the, the depth within their squad to be able to compete domestically as well as on that European stage. Mm, Reading's still really struggling, but their boss, Kelly Chambers, celebrated her 150th WSL game as a manager this weekend. Congratulations, Kelly. That is some achievement. Uh, she spoke after the match, said she was proud of it. Yeah, it's huge. Like, to be fair, I wasn't aware until Mitch told me that it was coming round. So, um, yeah, for me personally, look, it's a great achievement to have 150 WSL goals under my belt. And I think it's yeah I, I just want to be able to show females out there that there is you can get to the top level you can and, and you can be you can be there as long as you work hard and I think like I, I saw a stat on BBC at the when the Chelsea game got um, postponed I think it was in 2020 there was 66% of female coaches and you look now there's only 33% so it's halved in the space of three years so 
that's a bit that's probably disappointing. And but for me, look, 150 games is is a great achievement for me. And I just, yeah, look, I'm proud of the result. Look, the crowd were magnificent. Like that's the biggest crowd we've ever had here. And hopefully we can we can keep doing that and keep growing it because that's what that's what it's about. That is incredible, actually. And Kelly makes a good point there that we're going to discuss in part four of the show that Jonas Ardeval was discussing the Arsenal manager in his pre-match press conference at the weekend about the, the lack of female coaches across football, not just in the WSL and beyond, as Kelly mentioned there. And, and we'll discuss that in depth very shortly. Uh, rest of the weekend's games, though, Manchester City one, Aston Villa one. Um, Dania Castellanos opening the scoring. 28 minutes it took her. Her first goal in the WSL. Gorgeous pass from Bunny Shaw. Uh, Kirsty Hansen equalised for Villa three minutes later. That one was a scrappy goal, but great ball in from Rachel Daly. Hansen eventually got it in. Third attempt and hit the post later on in the match as well. She's on loan from Manchester United, so I'm sure she wanted to get one over <laughs> on her uh, Manchester rivals. But City five points off the top, having played the same number of games uh, as United. What what have you made of them this season? They'll be frustrated dropping points. Yeah, definitely. I think yesterday was a mass. Uh, sorry, Saturday was a, a big chance for them. You know, a massive game for them. Uh, they had to win it to stay in that race. Obviously, given Manchester United's form, but Mia's expecting a lot more from them. I think they started really brightly. Uh, obviously, started better, went one up, but then to concede so soon after, you know, that's when you need your leaders and your team and just a bit of game management after you score because that is when you are most vulnerable to conceding. And you know, Villa went straight away and, and scored. And for me, I think for Villa looked like the better team in parts of the match. Um, I just felt it was all a bit, I think Gareth Taylor spoke after about how it was flat and that's exactly what it was. There was, Bunny Shaw was starved really, not much action for her and she's obviously the key player. Um, I felt there was just, yeah, just really flat, no leaders on the pitch, there was no urgency, there were seconds to everything and I think Villa out of the two teams would have been disappointed to come away with just one point. I thought they would have wanted to go on a nick and I think maybe if there's an extra five, ten minutes, they probably could have nicked one. But yeah, a really disappointing performance from Man City and seen it quite a bit this season. Um, but I think that's an opportunity missed for them because get three points and you're, you're really in the thick of it, which they haven't been so much. You know, they've always been out on the third spot, third, fourth spot. And now the gap's just opening a little. Yeah, it is. Villa, though, you can really see the progression prior to this season. Interested by this stat, four games versus Manchester City, four defeats, but this season they've taken four points yeah. from them and they announced a contract extension for Carla Ward on Thursday, which is really well-deserved, I think. Yeah, it's amazing. I think she's done an incredible job. You know, even her time back at Birmingham, you know, saved them from relegation two seasons ago and she's come over and she's a young female coach you know and role model and she's absolutely smashing it and I think she's building something really special so I think the extension you know it gives the, that club and the, and the new players coming in that stability and, and she's building a working towards a project there and each season they're improving and that's all you can ask but I think even maybe as Aston Villa may feel that they're over performing at the minute but it's credit to the signing she's brought in that experience now Jordan Nobbs I think the partnership between Daly and, and Daly in in the midfield and the link up between them two is massive and obviously signing Rachel Daly at the beginning of the season has been a game changer she's been so effective and there has been the difference in in many matches I was watching the obviously the Tottenham 
Aston Villa game and she was just a difference throughout. Yeah, she really was. Absolutely incredible performer, but such a leader on the pitch as well. Um, Everton 3, West Ham 0. Three wins on the bounce now for Everton, up to fifth. Their loan business really paying off this season. Two England youngsters making their mark. Manchester City loanee Jess Park involved in the opening goal after three minutes across for Karen Holmgaard's opening header. Three goals and two assists for her now this season and we wax lyrical about her pretty much every week on, on women's football weekly. Megan Finnegan scored the second after 12 minutes and then 19-year-old Chelsea Loney Aggie Beavers-Jones scored a long-range goal just after coming off the bench in, in the second half. West Ham did create from set pieces but didn't really test Emily Ramsey in the Everton goal. Uh, they signed, by the way, I don't know if you saw this earlier on today, defender Anouk Denton from Louisville Cardinals. She was on loan with them back in 2021. Uh, played for England at under-17 and under-19 level as well. And these two kind of mid-table sides you know, have been consistent slash inconsistent throughout the season, but I feel as if they're building something. Yeah, obviously both new managements in there at the start of this season. And I think West Ham, I've been really impressed with this season because for me, I had them, I thought they'd really struggle this season given they had quite a few departures players-wise and then obviously new management, but been really impressed with them. And I think they'll be disappointed with the result yesterday. They, did, they weren't really at the races in the first half. They conceded two set-piece corners, virtually identical you know that the defending was poor in a short space of time and then you know your whole plan goes out the window when you're 2-0 down within 12 minutes but um full credit to Everton and as you say you mentioned Jess Park she's just been phenomenal and I think it's a, a really good example of how that loan system can work can and I work <laughs> but they have some succession planning to do for next season because I'm sure Manchester City well, are going to want her back I'm surprised I've not taken her back already to be honest but yeah it's 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 great to see and I think it's it's good for young players that you know are young in these teams and how important and how effect, how it could help their career going out alone rather than not getting the game time because she's been exposed to so much and she's she's thriving in it so hopefully more more younger players will look to do that Absolutely You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2 I'm Faker Others Those were the thoughts of former Spurs captain Jenna Scalacci uh, Coming up we're going to round up the championship and hear from Arsenal boss Jonas Eideval on the lack of female coaches in football Women's Football Weekly That is absolute top quality on TalkSport 2 You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the UK's only national radio show dedicated to women's football with me, Faker Others, and former Tottenham captain, Janet Scalacci. We are available on podcast as well, don't forget. Plenty of places you can download us. But first, just head to the TalkSport app to find us, and you can obviously subscribe elsewhere as well. Uh, now, only four games in the championship after more postponements, including the top-of-the-table clash between Bristol City and London City Lionesses. Charlton Lewis also fell foul of the weather. The big news of the weekend though was Coventry United getting their first points of the season after a 3-2 win over Crystal Palace. They've closed the gap on Sheffield United to five points after their one-all draw with Blackburn. Southampton though missed the opportunity to keep the pressure on the top two with a goalless draw against Durham while Sunderland beat Birmingham by three goals to one. Um, I mentioned London City Lionesses at the top there, Jenna. News today that manager Melissa Phillips has left the club um, she obviously took them to the second tier of uh, English women's football, but she's going to be leaving to become assistant coach of Angel City FC in the US. I mean, this is weird timing because it's five days before their FA Cup fourth round tie with Tottenham. 
Here's what she had to say. It's been an incredibly tough decision and one I haven't taken lightly. However, I feel the staff, players and processes we have in place are so strong that they'll continue to keep the club on the current trajectory. Yeah, a very interesting time. And given, you know, they're sitting at the top of the championship at the minute. She's done a fantastic job. She's led them into this league. And you think maybe with half a season to go, you might want to, I don't know, just see it through till the end. You know, you've built these relationships with these players. Yes, they're in a good, they've got the good foundations, but I think bringing a new, unless the, the new manager's coming with it, from within, I think it could unsettle a team and players who have worked with their manager for, for a period of time and, and those partnerships. So, yeah, really interesting timing. And obviously, it's football and these things happen and she's probably been given a very good opportunity out in America. But, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised by the timing, given how, how well they're doing and how close they are to potentially entering the WSL. It's quite interesting actually because we were talking outside weren't we about coaches we know out in the US and mm. I think perhaps you know the investment out there is significantly better than the investment here in the UK and it is luring our talent away. Yeah I mean absolutely I, I know a couple of friends of mine who've gone from coaching and managing in, in England to to the USA and yeah like you say there are opportunities that they can't turn down given you know what what they offer um and yeah so it's it's sad that we we are losing talent and and you know we're going to talk about later female coaches and to lose a successful female coach to to the USA yeah we are going to talk about female coaches a few different um tags with this particularly um you know because last November the FA released a strategy for the future of women's football entitled inspiring positive change aiming for 75% of female coaches to be in manager or head coach roles, um, you know, the, the WSL, only a third of managers are, are, are female, which is really fascinating. But uh, the Arsenal boss, Jonas Seidevel, was discussing female managers and coaches within football as a whole, not just in the, in the WSL and in women's football. And he questioned why there aren't more female coaches involved and, and just can't understand it. It's not the WSL that it's the problem problem is that you see in all the technical staff in, in all the professional clubs in the men's side how many female technical staff do you have in the game it's incredible when you see in in all other parts of society uh, you can have female prime ministers you can have female presidents but you can't have a female coach coaching in the Premier League for some reason why I, I've, I, I think it, it has to be the single-handedly the most undertapped resource that is in professional football it's female coaches there, there, there is no reason why uh, you, you, you can't be female and, and, and be a top coach so you're absolutely right with the numbers that it's that it's a big problem that there are not more uh, female coaches but that's not the WSL in, uh, in in isolation. That's the whole game, and th th that part, I, yeah, I can't get my head around how how that is possible. Uh, that still now, that that nothing happens, and that people are very content with that nothing is happening. 
Yeah, we can't get our head around it either, Jonas. And it's a, it's, it's a topic that we need to go more in depth with and find out exactly what the reasons are uh, for, for sure. But your Academy Operations Manager at Tottenham now, Jenna, and, and this is something you've got direct experience of. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously working within the club, you see it from a grassroots level up. And I think now more so at grassroots, we, we have some very good female coaches, but it's trying to progress them and get them onto their next badges, which seems to be the issue at the minute that the courses aren't there. Maybe a knock-on effect from COVID and, you know, the amount of spaces available. But I think when you look a little bit higher up, obviously in the WSL, there's only three female um, head coaches. Four. Four, sorry, Mm. four female head coaches. So, you know, for a young coach who aspires to be that, it, you can't really see it every day, and then and then that traders on to what Jonas Weidewell is saying. There's nothing. There's no females in in the in the men's game. So how can any coach dream to be that when you when you can't really see it? But for me, I've worked with some fantastic female coaches who have been supportive, and and I've no doubt that a coach like Emma Hayes could quite easily go go across and do her thing in in the in the men's game, but. Why would she want to? She's she spoke about it before. She's you know she's working with world class talent. She's she's winning every year, and I think maybe the environment within the men's game maybe isn't as welcoming. Um, you know you, you've got to think about that. I think there's quite a, a stigma that it is just a, men, a man's game over on the men's side, and they keep everything different. But for me, I think there are some very good young coaches out there. There's just not enough at the moment. Um, I know we have some coaches in at Tottenham that now work day to day with our academy managers. They go across to first team and get get that just get exposed to that environment and are supported day to day, which ten years ago you would never have. So there are strategies in place to to change that in the future, and hopefully we will see that from grassroots up and and the amount of females coming through um, gets bigger. But yeah, it's um, I think Yanis Idaval puts it so simply, doesn't he? <laughs> Whenever he speaks. He but just, it is simple. Yeah, it is simple. Really it, simple. It just needs, you know, a bit of momentum and, yeah. as you say, a, a bit of strategy, which hopefully mm-hmm. the powers that be are, are sorting out behind the scenes. Some powers that be who have been hard at work over the last year or so are the Football Association of Wales. Late last week it was announced Wales men's and women's players were paid equally for the first time after a landmark agreement. The new deal covers up to and including the Women's World Cup in 2027. A joint statement said, we hope this will allow future generations of boys and girls to see that there's equality across Welsh international football which is important for society as a whole Uh, obviously Wales joining other nations like uh, the United States of America England Brazil Australia Norway and New Zealand in paying their players the same international match fee the men took a 25% pay cut in order to make sure that women were paid the same Scotland women just as a reminder um, taking legal action against the Scottish FA in a fight over equal paying conditions after talks there uh, broke down but well done to to Wales for getting that through Uh, Jenna it's been a pleasure as always Thank you. Thanks for having me. I shall see you soon, no doubt. Thank you to Jenna Scalacci, Molly Hudson, uh, Bibiana Steinhouse, Webb, uh, Bradley Hayden, producer Will, and of course, all of you as ever for listening. Don't forget, if you do miss any of the show live, you can download the Women's Football Weekly podcast via the TalkSport app. Women's Football Weekly. That is absolute top quality on TalkSport 2. 